We've been talking about Daniel. We've talked about how Daniel stood out. We uh, talked about how Daniel stood up. And uh, today we talk about how Daniel stands strong. He's, uh, he's 80 years of age. We first talked about Daniel. He was uh, in his teens. Uh, he's lived a little longer now. And uh, how many of you uh, remember what, what was called Sunday school? May I see your hand? And some of us went to Sunday school long ago when they had the felt boards. How many remember the little felt boards? Little felt boards, you would put little cutouts like Daniel on there, and, and it stuck, you know, and you put the lion, and you put uh, the Hebrew boys, you put Jesus and the sheep, and all stuck on the felt boards. Well, if you can imagine, that looked really, really sweet, so wonderful. It's just a little story. But let me, let me bring to your attention right now that the story today is recorded in the Scripture. It was real. It's one that had teeth. It's one that one man, his name is Daniel, had to, had to live out. He's an individual that he knows that those lions are not just little cuddly uh, kittens. He knows that, that they're not, uh, they're, as a matter of fact, he knew if you were thrown in the lion's den, that they starved the lions until they threw somebody in, and that was it. Well, Daniel is caught between a rock and a hard place. That's, um, that's a difficult place to be. He's serving God. He's living in a culture. We know that uh, he's under the Persian Empire now. Uh, one time he was under Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar was the Babylonian Empire, and Daniel has served out of his own people. He's a Jew. He's now with the Persians. And the Persian king, his name is Darius. And we know that Daniel has faced many, many hard places in his life. So he knew that life is real. He knew that life is tough. And if he's going to stand with Jehovah, that he's going to have to be strong. Now, how do you absolutely stand strong and confident, confident in others, in the culture in which we live today, when they will argue everything in the world about this book, they will condemn you. They will say to you, hey, church is irrelevant. They will say to you, serving God, giving, tithing, missions, all that. You take care of yourself. That's the common message. But how do you stand strong in your school, in your university? How do you stand strong where you work? How do you stand strong in the marketplace that, that people see the strength of your testimony functioning in and through you? We know that uh, Darius, King Darius, was a, he was a great, great leader. He had, uh, he had 360, he had 360 leaders. He divided those into three different groups, which means that each group would have One twenty. Each group would have one twenty. He had three satraps. That's what they call satraps. Mean means kingdom protector. So he had three individuals: two who were Persians, and two or one was Daniel, a Jewish guy. And Daniel had done such a great, great job dividing one twenty, one twenty, one twenty, that he said to Daniel, "Hey." Uh, you have risen 
far above the other two satraps that are overlooking the other uh, individuals. And I'm going to place you second in command underneath me. Wow, that was an unbelievable promotion that took place. You see, the satraps were to squell any rebellion. Put it down. They were to be sure you paid your taxes. They would be sure that you paid your fees, and they would deal with you. They had the authority to deal with you, no matter where you may have failed. And seemingly, the 120 that Daniel gave oversight to never had a problem paying their taxes, never had a problem paying their fees. They never had a problem being peaceable individuals. The other two, well, they were always in arrears and not being able to collect everything. And Daniel said, you're the one. You run the greatest group of individuals, and so... I want you to be second in command. And we have a scripture for that in Daniel 6, verse number 3. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That's unbelievable. Here's what I found out. I'm going to ask you to think about this for a moment. Sometimes what looks like a promotion from the outside actually introduces you to a lot of trouble on the inside. In other words, not everybody that you know and love, they're not happy about your promotion. They're not happy about your advancement. As a matter of fact, in this case, these other two satraps, they were absolutely burned and green with envy. Envy. How is it that we're Persians? He's Jew. He comes. He gets the favor with the king. So I've got three points that tells you, tells us how to stand strong in an adverse culture and society. Here's, here's a point. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. You had anybody gossiped about you lately? You had anybody talk behind your back? Anybody know of anybody that talks behind somebody's back? Anybody gossiped about you? Ha, ah, Sure. See, here's the deal. When God raises you up, not everybody's going to be happy. There's going to be those that will endeavor to tell, tear you down. Why? Because they're, they're jealous. Or maybe you're an individual that you're really excited about your faith. I mean, look what the Lord has done. And you're excited. Oh, it's so wonderful. You even come to church. You even do your devotion. You raise your hand in worship. You're a giver. If somebody's not right with Jesus, you try to pray with them. If they need prayer, you pray with them. And then there are those that have been in the church for many, many years that they watch you. Here's what they say. That's just, that's just that first little love spat that they get love in Jesus. It won't, it won't be long and they'll settle on down and be as miserable as the rest of us. And my prayer is never, God, let a new convert or somebody that's strapped on their armor again, let them run into an old, miserable, green-eyed, bad follower of Christ. Amen. 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 God, don't let that happen. 
Or maybe you decide to say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to stand up. It's got to where? I, we got a star player in soccer, our son or our daughter. And it's got to where that all culture wants to do. All they want to do is now it used to be used to be Monday and Tuesday and Thursday. Now it's Wednesday and Sunday, and that's that's when they're gonna play. And then we're not gonna let our boy Zedekiah, we're not gonna let Zedekiah play on Sunday. We go to the coach and we say, Coach, we appreciate it, but we want you to know that Zedekiah goes to church on Sunday. We're not chasing a scholarship more than we're chasing the pleasure of our Savior Jesus Christ. So Zedekiah is not going to show up for the game on Sunday. So what kind of gumption does it take to do that? Well, you know what? When old Zedekiah, was his name really Zedekiah? No, only a church boy is named Zedekiah. So the mom of Herschel, who's a great player, said, boy, if Zedekiah's mom and dad said he's not coming, Hersh, I'm going to tell the coach you can't go because we go to the church about it every other week. Hey, coach, Hersh is not going to be there. He's your goalkeeper. He's just not going to be there. Well, why? Well, we, we made our mind up. Oh, Hirsch needs church. We need it. And we're going to be in church. Before you know it, several other have stepped on board. What happened? Somebody stood strong in the midst of a prevailing culture that says, just go with the flow. That's not what God created us to do. Can I hear a good amen? And there are people take pot shots at you. You know, in, uh, in, uh, in Australia, there's a uh, plant called the, it's called the poppy syndrome. Poppy syndrome are these large poppy plants that just grew up anywhere. They block your view. They're just like that. And people go and they're easy to cut down. They'll take a machete and just whack them off at, at, at the very bottom. And that's people take pot shots. In the, in the United States, it's called the crab syndrome. And they, have you ever, if you put crabs in a bucket, you just put them in a bucket and and one little brave crab will try to climb up the side of that bucket and, and get to the top and think, I'm, I'm coming out. Did you know this is the scientific study proven fact the other crabs will reach up and grab him and pull that crab back down into the bucket? And you know what the prevailing thought is? Hey, I'm not staying in the bucket. If you can't be free, if you're going to try to be free and I can't, you are not going to be free either. I'm going to pull you right back down. And we have a world out there that their whole desire is to pull you down, get in your way, take pot shots at you, create a target, try to discourage you. The enemy will send somebody, they call them an angel of light that looks, woo, looks really good and will sidetrack you and mislead you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what the goal is? To get you to just quit, give up, and walk away. But you know what? Daniel said that's not going to happen. But the satraps, in Daniel 6, verse number 4, it says the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Why? Daniel was above board. Verse 5, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. I'd say that's a pretty good testimony. 
You know, here's a principle that far too many individuals, particularly in Western culture, Christianity, and in the United States, believe this. We believe we have these, uh, these gospel preachers, so to speak, that if I'm serving God, then I shouldn't have to face opposition. If I'm serving God, God, you said you'd make a way where there is no way. I've lived long enough, and I've preached to you for a long, long time. That is not true. The minute that you decide I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm true, going to be true to my commitment, I want you to know you'll be a target of the enemy. I have said it for 31 years here. If you haven't already run into the devil today head on, it's because you and the devil are running in the same direction. The minute you got up to come to church this morning, the devil got mad and said, I'm going to do my best to interrupt and to stop you. But you know, you come into praise and worship and God wipes all that away and you're going to leave here with your heart filled with joy. You've taken communion and you've said, I worship my God. Today is a good day in the house of the Lord. But culture will stop you. Culture will stop you. So if I'm serving God, I'm going to face I'm going to face opposition. I'm going to face hard times. The reality is for those of who's been around a little while, we know the Bible says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. Where in the world did that come from? Oh, wow. I read in the paper last night or some news article where it said, and I think I have this correct, if I don't have it correct, it's close to being correct, that somewhere in the deep space, there are signals that comes, I think, about every 15 days that is consistent as can be. The world said every 15 days from somewhere outer space, a signal is hitting something that's receptive here in the USA. And I thought, wow, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But that doesn't shock me. Amen. You know what I say it is? About every 15 days, old Gabriel warms up his horn. Amen. And it's loud enough and sends a signal down here to the earth and said, y'all better get ready for the real deal because it's coming. It's coming. So we know that we battle against the enemy. Here's a big thought. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God in a big, big way. If you all around say, God, I had all I can handle. I can't take no more. God, I just want to tell you, I've been and I just, I've been slapped and I just can't take it any, anymore. Daniel is standing there and saying, God, my desire is to honor you. Daniel standing out, standing up and standing strong. And here come the opposition. Two buddies that he has committee meetings with. Some of you might be facing opposition right now. You might be facing circumstances that somebody doesn't like you. You might be facing circumstances that somebody's not giving you a raise or somebody lied to you or somebody is robbing from you or someone is putting you down and ultimately you found it out and there's difficulty. You might be facing that opposition now. The other two administrators had determined we're going to stop Daniel. What they do, they buttered old King Darius up said, hey, for 30 days, let's decide nobody's going to pray to any other God except you, O king. Darius said, okay, sounds pretty good. Now, Darius, like all other kings, had a little streak 
of needing all the praise. And uh, he didn't want to be God, but he wanted to be treated like he was God. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be God, no doubt about that. He said, okay, fair enough, let's, let's do that. Well, he didn't think that'll create a problem for Daniel. And so we find, we find that that problem came along, and you think, well, if I'm going to face that, Daniel's 80 years of age, he served God, he served God all this time, and the decree comes, and Daniel says, I am between a rock and a hard place. Now, there's several things Daniel could do. Number one, he could say, you know what, God, a month, 30 days is not going to matter. It's more important for me to remain here in my leadership role. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to back away, not open the windows for 30 days, and not pray to you or anybody. That was option one. Option two is I'm just going to fake it. I'm going to open the windows up, and I'm going to pray quietly. And if someone asks me if I stop praying, I'm going to say, yep, I'm obeying the law of the land. I'm not praying. I'm just going to fake it. Daniel said, no, that doesn't work. Because he said, I have a deep faith, and I need to maintain my faith. So what happened? Daniel 6.10, when he learned that Cree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had always done. When Daniel realized he didn't run from the bad news and he did not panic. Often our first response is panic. What am I going to do now? I don't think we're going to make it. I can't, believe, I can't believe that's out on me. I, can't, I just can't believe that pressure. I can't believe these are people that I trusted that stabbed me in the back. These are indiv- I never knew that that's, that's the way that they, they felt. And we panic. Daniel didn't panic. Do you know what the Bible said? The Scripture said Daniel did as he's always done. Our language gives us away. Because, see, we don't practice that first. Have you ever heard this statement? Maybe you said, well, I guess all we can do now, we've done everything we can do. All we can do now is pray. And God's sitting up there thinking, All you can do now is pray. Have you forgotten that I created you? You've forgotten that I hold the universe in the palm of my hand? Have you forgotten that I control those who go up and those who go down? Do you know no weapon formed against you can? Do you know I can take life just like that? Do you know that? And then all you can do now is pray. There's something unique about the story of Daniel. It says Daniel went down and got on his knees. 
He didn't apologize. He opened the windows of heaven. He didn't say, look at me like the Pharisee in the temple. He just did what he always did. And let me tell you, that ought to be an encourager for you and me. If we just do in the face of opposition, in the face of torment, in the face of adversity, in the face of difficulty, here's what you do. You do what you've always done in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? I know God can. Say that with me. I know God can. Here's another point. And this is the final point. Somebody say amen. Well, it's not the final point now, bless God. <laughs> Daniel, you're going to love this point. Daniel predecided how he was going to react. He predecided. He predecided how he was going to react. You see, when you know that you're endeavoring to forge forward in God, and you know the devil's going to come at you one way or the other, you know you might even fail, you might even make, you might, we all do. But you say, you know what, if that happens, I've, I predecided what I'm going to do. The message several weeks ago, Daniel predecided if they try to give me food off that table. If they try to give me some of that prime rib with those baked potatoes there and that hummus and that bread and that wonderful salad and those tomatoes and those pickles, if they try to give me, if they try to give me all that, I'm not eating it because it's on the king's table offered to idols. No. Daniel, would you like the buffet? Nope. I do not want it. I will hit the drive-thru at McDonald's. No way. He predecided. He predecided. He saw God three times a day. He decided, I don't just need God just in the morning, a little pitter-patter prayer. He said, I need God in the morning. I need God at noon. I need God in the evening. I have predecided that the priority of my life is not winning a soccer game. The priority of my life is living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I can do it both, but I'm going to do God first. Somebody say hallelujah. If you haven't predecided, if you haven't predecided your plan to get to know God better, there's a strong chance it won't ever happen. There's a strong chance you'll be a flip-flopper. There's a strong chance you'll be a dilly-daller. There's a strong chance you'll be an in-and-outer. There's a strong chance you'll be holiday on and every other day off. There's a strong chance that culture will welcome you because you're not a threat to them. There's a strong chance God will fold his arms and he might even think, I don't know why I ever created them. But when you decide what the priority is, nobody has to make you do what God's called you to do. Amen. You know why? You predecided. Amen. You, you predecided. You predecided. Let me say to you, young people, just so you know, don't date a man or a woman, a young man or a young woman. Don't date them. 
If you say, I want a good, solid Christian, don't date them if they're not regularly in church already before they met you. Amen. Don't go and say, when we get together, they go to church with me all the time. Chuck them to the curb. Stand strong. How many of you know God's had a way of providing what he wants you to have? Amen. And getting closer to the Lord. Well, I need, I got, you know, I predecided. I need deep wisdom and I need you to guide me. You see, you can make those kind of decisions. I, I'm reminded I've used it uh, one other time. A little boy and he and his dad and he loved the kid, loved airplanes. And they looked and it was a clear, clear afternoon. He looked up and son, you see that? That looks such a huge plane. But daddy, it looks so little. It's so small in the sky. Well, get the binoculars. See what you can see. Daddy is still small. Well, I'll tell you what, son, let's go. The airport's 10 miles away. Let's go. Dad got to the airport and said, son, look at that one. That one's just landed. Wow. Wonder how many that one carries. Dad says probably three, four, five hundred. How many's been on a plane that carried that many? I have. I haven't prayed for the other 499 of them. I prayed for me. Look how big it is, Daddy, my Lord. He said, Son, that's the way it is with God. The farther God is away, the smaller he is. But the closer you get to God, he's big. He's big. Predecide that God is big in your life. Predecide God is what I God is what I want. Nothing else. I've determined that. So when the challenge came, Daniel predecided. It says he knelt in prayer. Kneeling, kneeling, there's a lot of different ways to pray. You can lay down. I do. I lay down to pray. I walk and pray. I kneel, pray. But there is something about kneeling and praying. It's what it says because it, it gives a posture of humility before a mighty God when we kneel in prayer. Daniel predetermined that he was going to seek God and that God would be the priority. So when life knocks you down, you already have a predetermined plan of action. And he gives you more than you can stand. My plan of action is to get closer to him. You see, a follower of Christ in the days in which we live, here's what's going to happen. The culture out there, the political, the social, the media, all of those are attacking the faith of those who truly do serve Almighty God. And they will convince you that some of the things that the Bible says really doesn't relate to the culture today. Let me just tell you something. From the beginning to the end, this Bible is true. Whatever it said when it was written, it still means that today. Amen. Don't water it down. Stand strong and be a preserver of the truths of Almighty God. Well, well, what if, what if I take a stand? What if I take a stand and God doesn't rescue me? I've been on many a limb that the devil sawed it off right out from under me. Matter of fact, I've been in trees when he sawed the whole tree down. Amen. The whole thing. I made decisions that involve hundreds of thousands of dollars. Saying, God, I'll tell you what, you got to help on this one. 
What does it take for you to stand in a culture, in a relationship, in, in the powers of darkness? Dan pre, Daniel predetermined. I'm going to stand and pray, God, what, whatever you have for me to do today, I want to do it. Whatever my hands can do, wherever my feet need to go, whatever I, I need to say, I want to, I want to say it. And God, I'm not living this what if. I'm not living this how come. I'm not living this how does it doesn't seem fair. King Darius, when they pulled that over on him and he realized it involved Daniel, he was brokenhearted. He didn't sleep that night, ran, of course, to the pit the next morning to see. The Bible says that the angel had closed the mouth of the lion. Daniel, are you okay? Yes, sir. Don't worry. Darius was devastated. And the Bible says in Daniel 6, 22, Daniel says, my God sent the angel, shut the mouth of the lion, and they've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound, no scratch was found on him. Darius got on his phone and said, security, the two leaders of the other 240, please send them to my office. Thank you. Daniel said, King, you want me to be dismissed? Oh, no, Daniel. I want you to see their faces. Can you imagine what those two boys felt like when they walked in the king's office and saw Daniel standing there? I don't know if Daniel went, oh, I don't know if he did that. Probably not. Darius said, you boys lied to me. You boys tricked me. Now, these security guards, we're going to go with you back to your estate, get their family, and I want all of them to take the same punishment that they meant for Daniel. Why did that happen? Because Daniel said, I predetermined. I'm not giving in to the devil, nor his lies. God, you put me where I'm at, and if you put me where I'm at, you will sustain me, and if you want me to be somewhere else, you'll put me there. I still will be a follower of my Lord and Savior. So that's the word to all of us today. You may say, well, I can hardly bear, but, you know, Andre Crouch wrote a song. Would you stand to your feet? That's not what he wrote, but <laughs> Andre Crouch wrote a song. And that song, you remember it. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. 
How many are going to make it through it all? Amen. We're going to make it through it all. We're going to make it through it all. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you now for this group that's in this room and for the thousands who listen online. And God, I pray because I know that in this room right now is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I know the presence of Jesus. I know the love of God is in this house. I pray in the name of the Lord, you would just be affectionate toward all of us. Speak into our hearts, and if our hearts are troubled and we're confused, just whisper in our ear, I love you. Everything's going to be all right. And God, for those that are standing strong in the midst of opposition, protect them like never before with the anointing of your spirit. But there are those here today listening by watching online whose heart's not right with you. They're kind of waffled and dilly-dally. And, and in their heart of hearts, they'll say, Hey, God, you know, you know I'm all in. And God's saying, well, where are you at? God, you know I'm with you. Well, what happened to you last night? You know, you see, God is big enough and deserving enough. He ought to get the best that we have. And that's our heart. So I'm going to ask you, just in case there's someone here that your heart's not in tune with Jesus, and we're going to get forgiveness. And I want you to repeat it after me. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I ask for forgiveness. I need forgiveness. So move in my life as I repent and I believe I have predetermined to follow you. Don't let the enemy place more on me than what I can withstand. I'm going to lean on you. Take my life. Use it as you choose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's what God does. Amen? If you need prayer, you prayed that prayer. My. You need healing. You know what the Bible says? Come, let them anoint them with oil. Many churches don't do this part anymore. You know why? Here, here's why. Here's why they say, and I talk to many, we don't want, we don't want to intimidate anybody. Well, you know what I say to that? I say, you know what? He hung on the cross before public view, was beaten and torn and smitten, and his body was placed in a borrowed tomb. And he did all that for me, and you think I'm going to let some little culture in which I reside not give him respect? I'm telling you, he is worthy of our praise, and we don't have to be ashamed of him. Amen. So... So whatever need you have, we're going to sing this song once. Stick with me. Don't leave. It's a crucial part of the service. So you just slip down. We'll pray for you, and I'll give the benediction, I promise you, in just a few moments. Here we go, everybody. Let's come forward as God directs.
Father, we pray blessing over these that have come and we pray favor on this congregation as they follow you. God, I'm so thankful that you love us enough to forgive us. I'm grateful that your love and your blessing continue to flow. We're looking for you and believing for you and praying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I pray you'd bless us as we come back tonight. Give us a great time together. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to be speaking one word, attitude. Everybody's got one. Pray you'll be here tonight. Let's enjoy the worship. God's going to heal and minister. So God bless you. I love you, everybody. I'll see you tonight.